On today's podcast, TC and Chris Nicole discuss how to set expectations going into an athletic event, best ways to interact with judges during an event, and techniques for managing an elite competition mindset. And here we are back on our podcast. Um, I think it's appropriate just to start off this episode with thanking so many people that have rallied behind us. Um, It's very reassuring when you get requests for starting a podcast that people actually like the content you're putting out. So thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for everyone on Instagram, everyone that sent us messages. Um, We like hearing from you. So... um, yeah, I don't. There's nothing more. I'm like speechless with the amount of uh, support we've received. So thank you to everybody. It means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think uh, thank you to my dad. Uh, he helped us like learn some audio equipment so that we could produce a podcast that sounds, you know, somewhat easy to listen to. Uh, like the there's no problem with the audio content. And I think uh, and he also helped us make our intro our music intro so huge shout out to dad thanks dad um but yeah is there anything that you wanted to update anybody on or should we just dive right into the content uh no one cares about me let's dive into the content well tc's dieting so uh if there's any we're a couple weeks out from your show two weeks out uh tomorrow i'm two weeks out and uh yeah we're doing okay um body fat's getting pretty low seen some striations all over um yeah tri- triceps have been crazy but you know now we're getting the striations and my quads and my glutes hamstrings getting easier to pop out low back coming in so um pulled 675 on deadlift <laughs> yeah. this week so <laughs> yeah i'm getting messages about that too by the way uh, i said for a natural athlete there's so many things that are unnatural about tc <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, he, he's doing a really good job following his nutrition, training, keeping intensity in the gym, practicing his posing. Well, it definitely helps that my nutrition coach is in-house so that when <laughs> we need to make some adjustments, we can and we know immediately. Yeah. So, like after that deadlift this week, and, which was after a day after a massage, which was a day after, you know, just 15 minutes, but I was in the sauna for a little bit doing some mm-hmm. posing. And I think it all just kind of, also this week I was, you know, 100 calories less than I was last week mm-hmm. per day, so... Um, or like 150 or something. So I think it all just kind of accumulated up to yesterday and today, just kind of feeling like doo-doo. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually kind of good because now we're tra- we're practicing a small linear loading weekend to kind of see how my body responds. Yeah. So we'll see how I look tomorrow morning. We'll see how I look Sunday morning. See how I look Monday morning. Um, and kind of base our peak week information off of that. Exactly. Yeah. Because everybody is going to be different each peak week. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, we're learning TC's new threshold with this show coming up. So. That was much softer in July. Yeah. So, but that was what we said, right? We said we wanted to get on stage right. and compete. And we mm-hmm. did a great job. We, we looked very good. And we said we wanted to come in very, very tight. For Even better, show down right? In Florida. Yeah, because this is going to be a non-tested show. So I know that there's going to be, you know, some stiffer competition in terms of size and, and conditioning. Right. Yes. Um. So we definitely want to come in looking apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think we're 
think we're hitting it. Yeah, I think we're doing a good job. So we're excited. Yeah, on that note, uh, shout out to Coach Barbs for, you know, opposing help. You know, I kind of mess around and I'm very good at like contorting my body in various positions. And and he came in, cleaned it up, put me where I'm supposed to be and, you know, kind of taught me what it's supposed to feel like. So yeah, um, he's fantastic. He's doing a great job. And he's competing a ton this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like every time I hit him up, he's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm traveling this weekend for a show. I'm like, dude, you're in peak week. I don't want to bother you. He's like, no, I'm used to it, man. Yeah, so he's he's very laid back. Um, so yeah, we definitely try to respect his like travel schedule and training schedule and stuff. But he's when we can get him with him, he's been man like game changer. So yeah, definitely worth it. He's a great eye, mm-hmm. and that's what we needed to mm-hmm. bring the finesse to men's classic. And yeah, and he's been very positive as well too, which is yeah helpful. So yeah. Good. It's good to have good people in your corner. Definitely. Yeah, it takes it takes a tribe. It does. Know? And that's what all the greats say, is is it takes an entire circle. And if you're trying to do it, there's that saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. So. Awesome. All right. Well, I think it, we should move into some of our scheduled content Let's for our listeners. Um, do you want to start off since you have the map of... <laughs> Sure. So uh, we're trying to get better about our our, <laughs> our notes and staying on track here. Uh, tell our producer that we're we're in session. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, this wonderful person is calling me, who's been so helpful in our podcast as well. We so, love you, Sam. <laughs> um, yeah. So PRs and pro cards. Um, how to manage your competition mentality? Um, we thought that this would be a very important episode to do because. I think that there are some similarities between, you know, prepping for a bodybuilding show and prepping for a com- powerlifting competition, but there are definitely some differences as well. Um, I think that there are some very useful tools that you can implement in either case. Um, so we definitely wanted to share those things with you, but then we also wanted to uh, kind of help manage expectations for each each event and, and keep things positive. So, you know, one thing that we've said in the past is be solution-oriented, have a solution-oriented mentality, not a problem-oriented mentality. Um, so we want to maintain that in competition, which obviously as you get closer and closer to a bodybuilding show, it gets harder to do because you're just hangry every day and you hurt and you're irritable and everyone's an idiot and everyone's <laughs> in your way. And so like we, we understand those feels. So that's kind of why we want to go over these things and and kind of kind of help keep you focused on, on the positive aspects of what you're doing. So um yeah let's go over some differences in um like between the two competition aspects right so walk uh going into a competition or in preparation for it um that's a good question i think both of them right um so i guess we we should start off let's just go in a in a linear timeline linear fashion let's start with um during prep your mentality and your focus right for for each um yeah i think um there's especially when you are getting closer to your show or you've nailed down a date you start actually i mean in my start there let's start like okay i want to do a bodybuilding show yeah coach when when do i compete so now we pick a show Mm-hmm. right based on you know like uh, body composition at the time uh, but also mentality going into it and mm-hmm. like 
you know, where your digestion is sitting, you know, like whether your body is ready to enter a cutting phase or not, like sometimes you're just not going to be, your body's going to be very resistant to that. So sure. we have to determine those factors first. So we've picked a show, we've determined that you're ready. Um, okay, go. Now, how, how are you thinking? Well, I mean, the whole process, I think, of preparing for a show involves so much with mentality. Um, I think the biggest thing that I try and work with athletes is, is in making sure that your prep is um, cohesively working within your lifestyle. And so, yes, there are some mental shifts that you'll have to make in that there's, I think just you're, there will be less flexibility in not being able to get to the gym or not being able to prep your food. Like those things do matter when you're, especially when you have nailed down a show date. Um, so I think most mental shifts happen just with lifestyle um, in the beginning. I think as the body starts changing, you start getting excited. There And there's just a lot of positives in the beginning because you're seeing a lot of results. So it's very easy to be like, yeah, I'm going into my show. I mean, some people are telling, you know, they'll tell their coach, I'm going to go in, I'm going to win it. They're just like, uh, confidence goes through the roof. They've never seen their body change this much before. Um, and we do want to ride that. Like we want to keep confidence in there. The sport is a lot about stage presence, well, bodybuilding especially. So uh, we do want confidence, but it's also managing realistic expectations as well too. So if it is your first show, um, there's a lot of unknowns. So the, as the weeks get closer to the show, I try and talk to my clients about like, <clears throat> let's revisit your goals. Like, why did you want to get on stage? And um, what are your expectations when you get on that stage? Like, are you expecting top five? Are you expecting to win? Like, I want to know where their head's at so that I can help keep it in a, <clears throat> in a healthy place uh, when it gets time for a show, time, show day. Sure. Sure, which, which, as you said, like becomes increasingly difficult as you get closer to the show, which is kind of like mm-hmm. um, ironic, right? Because as you get closer to your goal, you just want it to be over at that point, almost. You know, in some preps. Some some preps sure. go very, very smoothly. Like my first show this year um, was not bad. The right. prep for it was not terrible. You know, peak week, yeah. Yeah, it was a little rough, but that was pretty much it. Um, now we're 10 weeks after that show. And I've been dieting since then. Um, well, we took a week off. Not not off completely, but, you know, increased calories for a week after. Um, and have been dieting since then. And it's like it catches up to you. Yeah. Right? Um, I think mental strength mm-hmm. and mental endurance, mm-hmm. just, just for maintaining a, like a good perspective and a positive mindset, you know, there's exercise in that as well, not just fatigue of the body. But which I think you touched on it earlier, your daily routine, your rigidity in your daily routine becomes like of the utmost importance as your calories get lower mm-hmm. and lower because you become less capable of dealing with like uh, you become less capable of adapting to right. certain situations. Yes. Right. Like it takes more energy. Yeah. Last night I was going to wait to serve myself dinner <laughs> and no, you're going first. That completely overwhelmed me. Right. And you had to help me. You yeah. got my food together. I went down the stairs and I just. Yeah. Look, sometimes you have to have grace with yourself. And so there's the flip side of that, right? Is sometimes you can try to become so overly rigid in your routine because I need to do this routine to Mm -hmm. succeed 
where you start to stress about it, right? And then that stress yes. uh, produces a response in your body that just like, you know, it makes it, especially for women, we've seen, like mm -hmm. it just makes it so your body will not respond. It just won't. And like we've seen that with you time and time again. Yes. If you get stressed out, your body gets soft. That's one of my biggest problems is mm -hmm. uh, getting too locked into a routine and rigidity. So if there's any sway, uh, it's like a you panic because mm -hmm. you're like, well, now I don't now I have to rethink everything. Mm -hmm. And, and we, yeah, it just becomes challenging. So there is a pro for having consistency, but life is never consistent. Yes. So you do have to have some like mental skills and being able to adapt and also evaluate <clears throat> when the routine, like you said, is just producing a negative response um, with, you know, your cortisol because you're you're in too inflexible mm -hmm. um, or fearful of an interruption. Yeah. And a lot of times you equate that um, routine with your success rating, right? And if, if you're not doing it exactly the same or if you're not getting this out of the other done every single day, like you're failing and you're falling behind. And uh, yes, I think we've seen with not just a couple competitors, um, but definitely myself included, you get caught up in that routine and that routine includes going to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. Generally speaking. And. Oh man, then someone's on your machine. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. There's that. But, uh, You're going to pay. I was even, I was, I was just thinking like your weekly schedule, you end up going to the gym mm -hmm. seven times a week. Yes. You know, because it, first of all, your calories start to get super low. So for me, I like to stay busy. So I'm not thinking about right. all the food that I could be snacking on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so getting up and going to the gym, it's something that I like to do. I enjoy being in the gym. Um, I enjoy exploring mobility work in the gym. Uh, but then inevitably that parlays into some little bit of isolation work just to get a pump in that muscle, just to get some activation going. You know, like right now I'm working on my left oblique and my left lat, uh, my left glute. So then that inevitably parlays into well i'm just gonna do a quick you know finisher to get an upper body pump you know and and all of a sudden you've worked out seven days in a row 10 days in a row 14 days in a row and now the, the fatigue is really starting to build up and you really feel like crap and you may or may not tell your coach about it because you're just equating it to the lower calories whereas you're overtraining yourself mm -hmm. right now and you don't think you are because your intensity is probably going to be a little lower than it normally is but your calories are a lot lower than they normally are so yeah you have to be exceptionally intentional with your energy expenditure well and i think that's a mindset thing that people fall into as well is more more is better i yeah. need to do more 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 i mean that was a struggle for me especially when you're trying to drop weight and you're just trying to like get a little bit tighter and it's like those last that last stretch or those last couple pounds they can be grueling mm -hmm. and so you just want to constantly chase mm -hmm. and there's a huge benefit to pausing, doing recovery work, giving your CNS and your brain a break. Like that type of interruption can actually be extremely helpful. And we've seen Betty better body responses. Um, and because of that. So yeah, there's like, yeah, I, there's clients that they'll run through the wall and they won't stop. <laughs> and, and as a coach, you have to be like, okay, I need you to sit down for a second. Yeah. Well, if you think of your calories as like money, right? And your mm -hmm. metabolism as your as your budget. And you're only yet if you have if you're in a surplus, then yeah, you can do all the all you can do all of the workouts, everything. But as you start to bring those calories down, you have to start budgeting 
your you know caloric expenditure to make sure that you're being very intentional with where you spend these calories mm-hmm. just like if you're only making like you know 500 bucks a week you're going to be paying for groceries and gas before you get anything else and that's how you have to start thinking about your prep right like if you only have this many calories you have to get this that and this done and you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and like you said recovering adequately so that when you go back to put the work in, your your body is there and can handle it. Um, so the, and that kind of goes along with the sustainability factor, right? If you just drive your body into the ground, like there are coaching companies out there that do that, where they they don't really think about the athlete, the the longevity of the athlete's competition career, or even just the longevity of the athlete's lifting career, right? They just they're looking for that stage shot, and a lot of times it's for their own advertisement. Right. So we so we want to make sure that we're focusing on your longevity and creating a sustainable program to where if you want to compete this year, you can. If you want to compete a couple times this year, you can. If you want to compete again next year and the year after and the year after and 10, 15, 20 more years, you can. And you're going to end up being just as healthy or healthier in the end because we're having that main prior prioritized focus on your health as an athlete. Well, and especially since like we've been talking about mentality and that focus, I do think well, that's another thing we try and keep healthy as well. Mm-hmm. If you know we start seeing signs that you're just feeling your burnout, mm-hmm. like there's there's body signs, but there's also mental signs where people just need a break. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 don't have to do twenty shows. I mean, like don't don't ever. I mean, yeah, okay, but uh, we won't get on that topic. But I think that you have to be very smart about your strategy and it's the same thing of more is not always better it's not always better to just keep doing show after show after show after show that's very contingent on feet on judge feedback and we'll talk about that um and same thing with powerlifting right like whether no matter what sport it is you can't do show after show after show because unless you're at the top unless you're consistently getting second place Mm -hmm. in in bodybuilding let's just talk about that Unless you're consistently getting like second, maybe third place, because like you know it's human error, a little bit subjective judging. Um, you're gonna have to take time off to build more muscle. That's right. just like it's in the name, right? It's bodybuilding. Yeah. So and then same thing with powerlifting. If you're perpetually trying to peak, it's. I mean, you see it all the time. Don't max out every week if you expect to make progress. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you have to you have to meet again. You have this budget. You have this you know energy expenditure budget in your body that you have to take into consideration and some of the year has to be devoted towards building and then yeah some of the year could be devoted towards you know showing off what all the hard work that you put in the rest of the year um but for some athletes you you'll have a couple years where it's all hard work it's you know hood up head down and you're not coming up for air until you're there so i think that um that is something that is uh, mature it's a maturity that I think people uh, grow into the more that they've done the sport. Um, well, everyone sees the glamour, right? They see the platform lifts. They see the stage walk, shots. Walk, yeah, the stage shots. And that's that's what they want. That's all they're interested in. And then they go, they get their feedback. And, okay, we need we need bigger chest, bigger lats. Okay, I'm going to compete again in three weeks. It's like, what? Yeah. Especially if you're a natural lifter. Like, come on. Come on. But even if you're on anything, like, you're not going to do anything in three weeks. Well, and that's, I mean, sometimes there are <clears throat> small details like peaking methods mm-hmm. and yeah, sure. stress and 
But I think that has a lot more to do with like bikini athletes, you know, because there's a lot less muscle mass. Whereas like you have men's competitors and. Well, no, I think men can miss peaks or not be conditioned enough. And sometimes their body adjustments that they can make in a shorter amount of time fit the judge feedback suggestions. Sure, sure. But it's not the, it's not like one-to-one. It's not an exact, it's not like I really did put more pec muscle on in three weeks. So yes, I, I agree with you there. Um, that can just be a little bit tricky understanding what a judge is telling you sometimes. But mm-hmm. but generally speaking, you need more muscle mass. Everyone needs more muscle. <laughs> That's Everyone. usually your feedback is more yes. somewhere. Expect and, to hear that. Yeah. And it's, and it's all about what is going to be more proportional. What look is going to make you more proportional? And that's the muscle that they're going to tell you to build. Um, um, yeah. I want to talk about one more thing about like as you're preparing to go into a show um, or into a competition and you can actually probably share with me because I'm not sure about some mentalities with powerlifters going into a meet, but I know for bodybuilders and ones that I've communicated with, there's there's always this like timeline of self, self-doubt uh, or this like point on the timeline of self-doubt and some people have more, some of them are more frequent. We go through highs of like, wow, I look really good and then there's... Um, and, but for the most part, I don't have, I don't see a lot of people going, I'm going to win my show. There's more, way more people saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And uh, will I be ready in time? And I need more, more muscle. And that there's just like a, a flood of different thoughts about like your physique just isn't right. And I think that's why it's great to have a coach mm-hmm. um, for this f- reason alone of you have an outside perspective that has no emotional attachment to how your body looks. They're just looking at the aesthetics. They're looking at the bread and butter of what gets judged on stage. And they look at it every week. They're probably looking at hundreds of bodies. So they're developing an eye and they're the, per- if that that's a person you trust, they're steering the ship of when you should be ready to step on stage. Um, and so there's definitely a level of trust going into like a coach and a client. Um, but I think that that's normal, first of all, to just feel like I'm not going to be ready. Uh, sometimes you have to like pick your battles because um, you will never feel like you're going to be 100% absolutely ready. Uh, I've yet to talk to somebody who has been there. And I also think that the more you understand about the sport, the more doubt can creep in because you learn more. Well, I think, okay, so there's, that's a good point. Um I would say that mentally, I thought I was ready in July. Mm. I felt ready okay. because of my expectations for the show. Our expectations were to yes. kind of get pretty lean and step on stage. Mm-hmm. And we did exactly that, right? Like we we worked together, we stepped on stage, and I was perfectly happy. I, I didn't care what happened. You know what I mean? And first of all, I think that expectation for a show makes for a much better prep. Because I would agree. it doesn't matter. Now, I think where that self-doubt comes in is the only reason you're experiencing that is because you're expecting to be perfect. And I can kind of empathize a little more with this prep because for this prep, I wanted to get as lean as I could. Mm-hmm. And what I told Rich was um, he when he was trying to get me to step into that show, I said, no, nah, man, like there's, uh, I will do one this year, but I'm not ready. And when I do something, I do it. I'm not going to half-ass it, you know. Right. And so now that we're coming up on this show... The leaner you get, the more you see what's left. Do you feel ready? 
Do you ever have moments of, I don't, I'm not going to be lean enough or I'm not ready? Um, too bad, too bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, sometimes I feel like, man, I wish there was a little more definition there. Um, man, I wish I could manipulate my torso a little better in this direction. Um, but I also have adopted the mentality. And I think this came from my injury of mm -hmm. it is what it is. And I actually just wrote a post. Uh, I haven't posted it yet, but uh, talking about how prep has definitely like increased, improved my faith, um, mm -hmm. and and not necessarily just in God and you know Christianity, but just in general, and just having faith that okay, I'm checking all the boxes, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm not eating cheat meals, I'm being intentional in the gym. I'm actually feeling the isolation work that I'm supposed that I'm trying to do. I feel my body's positioning, adjusting, and getting you know more solid, more concrete. I feel like my activation getting better in my poses. I'm doing the right thing, and just having faith that you're doing the right thing, and you're going to bring your best package to the sh to the stage. And when you can develop that kind of faith in in yourself, is really what it is. And now for me, it's easy because it's not faith in me. It's Mm -hmm. faith in him knowing that you know he's leading me and and as long as i'm working as hard as i can i know that he's going to lead me where i'm supposed to go so like that's just that's kind of a side your your faith whether you're religious or not it it can just be in yourself mm -hmm. um but like i said i think it's easier well i think that's a good point of you're you're actually i mean you just listed a bunch of wins like things that you can say you've done better at or you've achieved and i think that's important for people like there are the process goals of like i getting on stage and knowing you've done everything that you possibly could you maybe not have been perfect but you gave it your best like that's that's an achievement and so that's something to keep in mind as you're getting closer to show is like man i've really done the best that i possibly could that's something alone to be proud of mm -hmm. and then there are wins and some the better you get the the more you have to kind of dig for those wins and find out where they are because your body can look crazy different when you drop 40 pounds. But when you're going from show to show to show, you have to be, you have to look for the little details. And that's why I like when people send me their like screenshots on, from like years to years because I, I can see the things like. Well, and it's also, it's, it's often the process goals that differentiate between an amateur competitor and an elite athlete, right? Um, I think amateur competitors more so look to the outcome goals yes. rather than the process mm -hmm. goals. Whereas when you become elite, like you understand that you can't look for the outcome goal because that's such a small, acute instance. Whereas the process goals is how you get to that outcome goal. And without these process goals being checked off, mm -hmm. there's no way that you're going to do as well as you could if you had been consistent with all of your process goals. Sure. So why don't we talk about expectations? You know, you've you've approached. Oh wait, one, no, one more thing. Okay. Pre-show. So we were talking about um, self-doubt and pre-show mentality. Um, I just kind of wanted to touch on one thing that I use in both preps, powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, especially if you've been to the venue, but you don't have to have been to the venue to use this, uh, which is a, a visualization, right? Um, my first few powerlifting meets I did were at the Warhouse Gym, um, you know, Rob and Daniel and Bailey's gym up in Reading, Pennsylvania. And when I was prepping for these meets, I would 
put myself in that gym mentally. I closed my eyes, I grabbed the bar, and I was in that gym on the platform about to perform this lift. And putting yourself there and watching yourself perform this lift in your mind, um, first of all, uh, exercise visualization has been shown to activate the same muscles that you act or innervate not necessarily activate, but innervate the same muscles that you're, that you actually use in those movement patterns. So visualizing your, whatever workout you're doing at that point in time can help, can start to get those muscles activated. And then you can think about the form and you can think about how that form feels while you're performing it before you even do it. Right. And then you can get on the bar, perform the lift. Um, but you've already done it at that point. Even if it's just one rep, you've already done it in your head. And the same thing with bodybuilding. Like you put yourself on that stage, put yourself in front of that panel of judges and in front of that big crowd of people. And imagine all those seats are full, not just a couple of them. And on show day, it's just going to feel a lot better because you've already done it. You've already done it hundreds of times. So I have done that in the past. I've put, I've Googled the venue that I was going to compete in mm -hmm. and found pictures of Sometimes you can find them, sometimes you can't. If you're at the show, take you can take a picture and yeah. use it for next year. But um, I've found like looking out at the audience shots and I'll put it on the my screen on my phone just to kind of like make it so I've seen this a million times and it's not so scary. Mm -hmm. And when you've been on a national stage, like the lights are very bright, but you can see the judging panel. And sometimes just knowing what the judges look like and visual, I've done that, visualize their faces while I've practiced my posing in the like aerobics room so that I'm connecting the dots of like what I'm seeing with my eyes and how my body's supposed to perform when, a, you know, when you're seeing that visual. So uh, yeah, I would agree. I like that you use that. Visualization has helped me in the past too. I've also like thought about my routine. Mm -hmm. uh, when I've <laughs> there's been, I've had some preps where I was like too tired and I was like, I just need to lay down, but yeah. I needed to practice. And so like on days where I just felt like, man, I, I just can't, um, I would think about it. Yeah, sometimes you get into it and you realize you start like moving around. <laughs> yeah. <and> like, eh. <laughs> That's okay. That's great. You know, yeah. because it, it, it like like we were talking about your energy expenditure. You have that budget, and sometimes you have to be very stingy with that mm -hmm. you know caloric expenditure. So yeah, lay down and do some visualization practices. Yeah, and then you, what you can even do is do that on your rest day, and then get up and pose for right. five minutes. You know, right. or just run through your routine once or twice and see if it feels any better. I'm I'm sure that it will. So okay, so meet day, show yes. day. So I wanted to share this because this is something you helped me with. Um, in the past, going into shows, I'd have to think about, or I would often think about like, I wonder if I'll make first call outs. Or in the past, I've been like, I'm going to win this show. I've been that person. <laughs> Just because I've wanted it that bad or I thought that I was trying that hard that that's how I would create this win. And... Uh, it, I think that that's risky mm -hmm. because in bodybuilding, there's so much, so many variables that you cannot predetermine getting on that stage. Like you don't know, not, you don't know what bodies you're standing next to. You don't know what judges are sitting in that panel. You don't know if you're 
peak was optimal. Like it could be a 9.9, but it's not a 10. Um, and and then, then there's other variables of like timelines with shows and bodies changing and all kinds of stress, all kinds of stuff that you can't even determine. So um, that would actually stress me out because I would say like, I need to determine my placement because I need to like manifest it. And this I, I am, but it would make me uncomfortable because yeah. I would be like, well, I really don't know that that can actually happen. And there are all these variables. So. And then you start thinking, what if it doesn't? What if I get last? <laughs> it just started making me crazy. Yeah. So, you know, you brought it to my attention of why don't you just go wanting feedback? Because that is a big component of bodybuilding is beating your last package. You know, every time you get on stage, your body should look different. Um, maybe sure. there's, yeah, maybe there's a small change, like because the peak was a little bit different, you were a couple weeks between. But if you're spending time in an improvement season, getting back up on stage, your body should look better. Um, there should be improvements uh, if you're doing this consistently, I guess. So going and looking for feedback took the pressure off and actually helped me enjoy my season so much more this year because it was, I accepted the fact that it was completely out of my control. I'm just going to focus on completing what my coaches are telling me to do. And I'm going to go and dude, I had, I had a blast. Yeah. I had so much fun and I was so excited. It was like excitement over anxiety. And I don't think I've ever had that much fun. I've just, I wanted to be friends with everybody. It's <laughs> like having a blast. But like you work so hard. And so I, and that's what I want for our athletes too. Like you should have fun. You work so much and so hard and so consistently. You sacrifice. And for a day where you feel absolutely like trash. And I don't know. I just think that it should be an experience to remember and it be, should be something you you can enjoy. And if you can prepare both the body and the mindset, you can get the most out of that experience. So um, going for feedback versus determining a placement has really helped me keep um, a more open mindset and helped me enjoy the experience a lot better. So, um, But that brings up a, a thing that's different between bodybuilding and powerlifting. Kind of. So I was just thinking about that as you were talking about that. First of all, I love that mentality. Um, that's, in my opinion, I think probably in either sport, that's all you should be doing is going and looking for personal feedback on how you can improve as an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, in either sport, your end placement. Now, I used to say that, well, I power lift because it's more objective. You either lift the weight or you don't. Which on one hand is true, um, but your placement is still determinant on who shows up that day mm -hmm. and what the judges saw when they were judging you. That's true. Um, there's a bunch of humans. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be human error to account for. Mm -hmm. like my uh, last full meet that I did with 100% Raw, I went three times uh, on squat. Um, you know, we were just coming back for the injury. I'd, I trained squat for like a month and a half. Um and literally specifically for this competition because my back was on the mend at that point. Mm -hmm. um, now, after that, I developed a hip issue that I've been dealing with for the past like year, but um, you know that's on the mend as well. So anyway, I digress. So um, 
did my first three attempts, nine white lights. Um, Which is good, by the way. Yeah, so you either get three, <laughs> the, you, you, there are three judges, right? And they each either give you a white or a red. And a white is good, red's bad. Um, so, yeah, I performed my first three squats. And then I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll go for the, I think it was like the Submasters division or something, mm-hmm. some, some kind of record. So it was 628. Um, I've done it before. And if anyone has watched me squat before, I am very meticulous about how I squat and where I go to. And if I'm high, I know it, I feel it. And I've been high and said, man, I think I was pretty high. And everyone's like, no, man, that was great. And I would go to the camera that was set at exactly knee height, looking directly into the side. And sure enough, I was an inch high, you know. You um, develop that feeling. Mm-hmm. And on this fourth lift, uh, I got red lighted for depth. And I know that I, I felt exactly the same as my third and my second and my first attempt. I went, I asked, he said, depth, you know, just this much more. And okay, you know, that's fine. This is not my last competition. And I will open with this weight at my next competition. There you go. So that kind of goes into like, you know, managing feedback and stuff. We'll kind of touch on that later on. But um, there's always going to be that human eye uh, margin of error, we'll Mm -hmm. call it. for the judges in, in either sport. So Correct. I think it's important to remember that it's always going to be you versus you. Mm-hmm. And on, on show day, on meet day, competition day, it's always going to be you trying to figure out which chains, uh, which links in your kinetic chain are now the weak points that you have to go back and work on before your next competition. Um, so... Th- and I think performance, right? So with people stepping on stage and posing, that can be really, that can be nerve wracking. Going and trying to perform an optimal lift under like lights and with an audience and with judging, like people, people staring at your technique, I'm sure that can be nerve wracking as well too. So getting experience, I think also helps develop a mentality because, um, it puts you in an uncomfortable place where you have to, you have to rein in your brain or thoughts or your focus. Um, so it's kind of an exercise in that aspect. Yeah. So I guess we can talk about next the way I like to do that exact thing. I think that'd be great. Yeah. So again, I think in both sports, you have to go in with confidence, right? Like we talked about self-doubt earlier. We talked about stress and anxiety earlier and how detrimental that can be to either prep, right? Because cortisol is catabolic. It's going to make it harder to build big muscles. It's going to be make it harder to uh, sustain strong muscles, okay? Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that our mentality, which is what the podcast is about, our mentality stays in the right track. Um, now, when I'm going up for a max lift, no matter what weight is on that bar, no matter what lift I'm doing, I already know that I'm going to complete this lift. I already know it. I know that I'm capable of lifting this weight. That's why I loaded on the bar and it's going to happen. Now the caveat, and this is even in my head, eh, might not happen today, but I know that I can do that weight. I know it. I'm perfectly capable of moving this weight. And more often than not, I'm right. I go up there, I move the weight, complete the rep and you know, it, when we move on and we keep going. So I think the same thing can be done in bodybuilding where like you practice your posing, like you're working out, 
you're intentional in the gym with your isolation. You have good muscular control, which is why we own every position of each rep, right? We don't just do fast reps. We control the eccentric. We control the concentric. We make sure that we can control our body in any position, which is what mobility is, right? Strength through range of motion. So we have that confidence there, knowing that we did everything there. We know that we practiced our posing and we're super secure in our routine. We know exactly what we're going to do. And you know that you're about to go up on that stage and you're going to crush it. You're going to do it exactly the way you want it to. And you know what? If you have a misstep, no one is going to know. <laughs> no one. I promise you. You. You are the only person. Your coach isn't even going to know. I messed up in my posing routine. No one said one word to me. And you know why? Because I'm the only person who knew my posing routine. Okay. Yeah, I think the mistakes are louder to yourself than yeah. they are to the people in the audience. And I've had, I've shared this with you. I had a band teacher in seventh grade, Mr. Deniston. And uh, he would yell at you. He had, he had such a keen ear. He definitely had, you know, he's on the spectrum for sure. Yeah. He had such a keen ear that he would stop the band and point to someone and say, why aren't you playing? Why can't I hear you? It didn't matter if they were playing saxophone, clarinet, flute, wow. drum. It didn't matter. And they'd be like, well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that part or whatever. And he would say, I don't care. Play it. Play it. If you're going to mess up, mess up loud. Because if you're not going to mess up, but you're not playing loudly at all, it doesn't matter. It's just like you're not, you're not even there. Yeah. Right? So play, you know, just do it mess up don't be afraid fail yeah. forward right yes. there's that book that's what it is and yeah. you just you cannot be afraid to fail every successful person every successful business person every successful athlete like i guarantee you i've i've failed so many freaking times like <laughs> you just you just can't be afraid of failure you have to embrace it and, and almost search for it really i think is because then when you fail, you know that you're moving the right direction because you didn't fail. You learned something. If you learn something, you don't fail. That's true. And I do have athletes that they, and I, I'm one of these people too, I'll be upset if I don't, if they just say, you were great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The judge tells me it's something that's uh, not detailed. It's like, well, I didn't get first, so come on. I'm right. not that great. <laughs> and even if I am first, there's something I need to be doing better. Yeah. So, like, feedback is a gift. And, like, it's good to to crave that and to be open, like, to have a mature mindset of hearing what someone is going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Now, you can always say that with a grain of salt because it's one person's opinion. But exactly. you sh hearing it out, I think, is um, a good you know, you're going there for the feedback, hear it out. So, I don't know. No, that's that's great. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to, so in preparation, I visualize on show day, you know. And after show day, you accept, right? Yeah. You know, with the feedback, you, you accept and you move on and you accept. And now you start building that marathon mentality. I like that. So, I mean, you touched on briefly, because I think we can go into a little bit of the territory of like handling judging and we don't get what we expected. Um, yeah, I had a lifter one time. He got called for like soft knees and a deadlift lockout or something. Um, but you know what? Instead of being upset about that, 
he lifted the weight and he was freaking stoked. And you know what? <laughs> Guess what I posted? That's what I posted. I said, yeah, he got red laid on soft knees, but he lifted his weight. And this is a PR he's been looking for for a long time. And in, he's going to clean it up and come back and do it better. Right. And it he he hasn't competed again since then. But um, having that mentality. So, so there's a benefit too, right? Like if you're not super set on like getting first or going nine for nine and powerlifting. Mm. And, you know, like. I just think that, again, they have to be process goals, not outcome goals, because you never know who's going to show up. You never know what's going to happen on meet day. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, I went on a tangent again. No, what that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's Friday. We're, it's we're, Friday. We're trying. Yep. <laughs> um, but yes, okay, so I think that I mean, you talked about um, when you got red-lighted on that 638, is that right? 28, yeah. 28. I'm great with numbers, everyone, by the way. Um, you know, you were, you know, you're given a red light, so the lift wasn't good. Well, both judges did. So that's why, that's the other reason you don't argue, because if both side judges give you depth, then like, yeah, maybe, maybe I was wrong, you know? Mm, yeah. Heavy. Yeah. And like I said, my squat prep for that meet was very short. So the movement pattern wasn't necessarily as ingrained as it has been in the past. And that's the other thing, like you can't just exclude the possibility that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. No matter what you feel, no matter what you think, you cannot exclude the possibility that you're wrong. Otherwise, you're going to be so angry for your entire life, thinking that you're always right. Everyone's an idiot. And where are you going to expend that energy? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just have a curious mindset um, and you try to understand what other people are seeing and and what their perspective is and accept that, okay, this person probably doesn't have some vendetta against me. (laughs) So I can probably safely assume that they wanted me to get the lift because most judges are lifters. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, when I'm sitting in that seat, the worst thing is when someone is like right on the borderline of squat depth and they make the lift and you have to decide whether you're going to red light them or white light them. I would so much rather they just fail it or sink it and, and come back up. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, obvious. Yeah. yeah. Because I hate, hate giving that red light when someone completes a lift. One time, uh, Landon, he deadlifted over a hundred pounds and then let go of the bar <sighs> an inch before it hit the ground. Like I'm telling you, babe, he was almost down to the ground and I just, Oh, my stomach dropped. I was like, "No, dude! Like, come on! <laughs> so you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to drop the bar. So yeah, no one knows. Yeah, you have to maintain hand uh, grip on the bar yeah, all the way back down to the ground. So he pulled it all the way up. Yep. And he got too excited. Yeah. And yeah, a little bit of a slam too, which like that that we we tell people not to slam the weight, but it, that wasn't aggressive, right? You know, that wasn't rude. Um. Some people really slam the weight. And like you'll see these gym bros on Instagram and stuff where they do a deadlift with like 315 pounds, by the way. <laughs> and then they like come down and like throw it down back at the mat. And you're like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like you you, you want it to be louder to make it sound like you have more weight on the that bar? That was a video of me, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. 300 pounds would be so much for me. Um, She's done 250, by the way. Don't let her fool you. And it was the pinnacle of my the lifting so far uh but anyhow um no that's good to talk about like how to handle judge because you can that you can think that you're absolutely right on that platform you 
mm-hmm. know in your brain that you completed it. And someone disagrees. The judge disagrees. Yeah. The final call says no. And like you said, how are you going to expend that injury? Are you going to spend the rest of the day pissed off that they gave you a red light? Or are you going to go enjoy your day and say, hey, I did it. And I came out injury free. And you know what? I lived to train another day. And it doesn't change it. You can't. Yeah, you can't change it anyway. Exactly. So I had one guy argue with me, arguing, arguing. I was running a meet out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know what you want me to do, man. I, if I looked at every single person who missed their lift, if I looked at their videos and tried to overturn or not, like, we would be here all day. I said, it, no other federation will do this. But if you want to email the president mm-hmm. and send him a video of this and complain about getting red lighted, you're more than welcome to. But I just think it's a waste of your time. Mm-hmm. I think it's a waste of everyone's time because guess what? He came back and competed again. Mm-hmm. And that third attempt that he missed, he got on his first or second attempt. And then he went up and he got his third attempt this year. Great. Because you know why? Because we told him why he got the red light. What yeah. happened was he locked the bench out. And what he told me is he's like, yeah, when I lock out, I come up and then and, and it actually locks out over my head. But what that looks like is you lock out and you're going to rack it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And the head judge gave the rack command as he was moving back into his, you know, locked out position and he gave the red light and he was so mad about it. And I watched the video and I pointed out to him, I said, this is exactly what happened. And he just wasn't having it. And Mm. there's no point. Don't waste the energy. Don't go up there and argue with these refs who didn't want to give you the red light in the first place. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing with like bodybuilding judging shows. Like there was one show where I know you, they didn't even see you, you know, mm. like it was your second or third show or whatever. And mm, yeah, you know, second. it was my second show. That was, was a crazy. lot of girls. Yeah. There was, there was no reason for your placement there, but you know what, what are you going to do? You're going to be mad or you're going to be happy that you got on stage. You got some more feedback. You got in front of more judges and your prep, like your peak for that show was great. We yeah. got you to such a low body fat there, like yeah, lower was than you've old. ever been. And so that was the positive. Hey, we can get this lean. So now that was a mentality that you had been struggling with, right? Like, Yeah, will I ever get lean exactly. enough? Exactly. Where are my glute ham tie-ins? Why can't I do this? And I think that's where this picture was from, actually. Yeah, Miami. Yep. That's Miami. Oh, that was the second one. That was the third show. I mean. This is three. Yeah. So this one we tried to fill out a little more. Um, but if we, you're wa- we, we have we, you, I mean, Chris and Paul. If you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We're pointing at things for the podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you got super lean. So now, just like we talked about earlier, you can adapt that I know mentality. And I know that this prep is going to lead me to a body fat percentage that will have me successful on stage. Yeah. You already know that. It's a foregone conclusion. And all you have to do is X, Y, and Z. All you have to do is follow the protocol. And now you know that. Now, this is going to be much harder for an athlete who hasn't gotten that lean or Mm -hmm. an athlete who's just starting out but if you pick a coach and you have faith in this coach it's as easy as that either you have faith in them or you don't and i I understand that everything is easier said than done and it's not just a switch that you can say okay i have faith (laughs) um but it's you know just like i think maximum exertion i think that's a learned attribute as well Mm -hmm. uh but i think it's a very important one to learn and sometimes you can learn it through experience and sometimes you can learn it through just mental effort. So Exactly. Yeah, and I learned at that show well, it gave me an opportunity to try like that's a show I did I had a different look. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah we did tutor and Sue. That was so yeah, fun. Because at the night show, we were like, all right, well, screw it. Like, we'll make them see us. And guess what? They did. She came back. She was Who like, I loved girl? your look at the night show. That's what she said. Yeah. I, I was like so unsure because I was wearing one suit color in the morning. And I was like going back and forth. We, we, I had, we had a really good friend, Sam, there. Curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a curly hair, green suit look in the morning. And... Ah, uh, yeah, they did, like, I don't know what call, I was in third call outs. Was, yeah, well, you were at the top, but you were in third call outs. Yeah, and I was like, okay, well. I think you ended up getting like 14 out of 19 or something like how that. How much? 12 something. Doesn't, a, doesn't matter. I don't think it was 12. I was, anyhow. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, anyhow, so yeah, I wasn't in like top call outs, so um, my friend Sam had brought a different suit, and she like did my look for the night show straightened my hair which put this suit on and she had done my makeup for the shows that show as well too so that was like a blast to be able to put on a new look and it was the same look i took to miami because i got such good feedback from the judges literally that that was the first thing she said to me when she came back behind that stage and i stood like got her feedback she was like this look and like pointed to my suit (laughs) and just with her pen she just like up and down she was like that is much better. And I I wouldn't have known if I hadn't been in a lower, you know, like you maximize your time. Mm-hmm. Well, in your mentality, if you were like stewing and just being upset and bummed out and pissed off, like right. you probably wouldn't have even thought to go out there and make the most out of that opportunity. Yeah. But instead you were enjoying yourself, you were happy and you were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, you know? <laughs> and now you learn something else. So now we've learned a couple things at that show just because you had a positive mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like when I get on stage, cause you've talked about when you like step up to platform, when I get up on stage, I, I don't really think about much. I just feel, I just like, I don't know. Well, you've practiced this so many I'm times. I'm like, here I am. Like, yeah, it's not It's not a shock. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a shock. It doesn't feel like a surprise. I get a little bit nervous backstage because it's like the anticipation of the the final moment of the event. But when, like, I'm in line, I'm just, like, in line waiting for my turn. I watch the other girls. I, like, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then when it's my turn, like, I go out and do my routine. But it's become i think more second nature the the more that i've done shows like the more i've done it and the more that i've like thought about what i'm looking at like i know exactly where nationals is standing on those stairs looking out at the audience like the angle that you're looking out at the judging like i and it's the same at like every stage so like that's i feel like where it got ingrained and then from then on it's just like Maybe a different color carpet or different seating background, but different music. Yep. Yeah. But uh yeah, and I think another thing that has helped you is um learning that okay, let me back up. Social media is a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Shows it the positives of everyone's life. And you're perpetually looking at these super happy bikini girls who are competing and eating huge cookies <laughs> now how how is this happening it's not okay that's they're not gorgeous mm-hmm. they're gorgeous what, what is actually happening is literally the same exact thing that's happening in your life they're moving through their prep they're doing the best they can and they're putting a brave face on when the time comes and trying to enjoy the moment but a lot of these girls 
have showed anxiety. A lot of these girls mm-hmm. have anxiety about stepping up on the stage. And you know what? They're doing it anyway. And I think that helped me to know, like, when I started talking to the guys at, at my last show, like, yeah. we're all the same. Like, yeah. it was, I think there was, like, an open class of, like, 10 people. And then, like, the true novice was, like, eight of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so wow. It was, like, mostly first-time competitors. So we were all in the same boat. So we, like, commiserated about our prep, about, you know, our coaches and about the show and, and how fast it was moving and this and the other. And you kind of build this camaraderie and you understand, like, okay, I'm not the only one that has these feelings, right? And all you do is go up there and do the best you can. And these judges are human, too. And they know that. And a lot of them have been competitors in the past. So mm-hmm. again, they know it. They know what you're going through, especially on your first time. Yeah. So if everyone else is going to have grace with you and not going to make fun of you, if you stumble on stage or don't know where tanning is or mm-hmm. you forget something because you have zero carbohydrates and, and you know glucose for your brain, like these people are not judging you. Mm-hmm. They understand. And that's the thing about being at these like bodybuilding shows or powerlifting meets you're in a group of entirely like-minded individuals yes. who understand what you've gone through to get to this point and they all appreciate the hard work that you've put in and no one is judging you negatively no matter what no matter even if you're a little softer even if you're a little smaller like it doesn't matter because of the amount of work it takes to get on stage and we all appreciate and respect that because that kind of dedication and consistency is just like it's almost a you know bygone era at this point uh people just don't understand you have a bunch of kids like just trying to blast peds and let me not go off on side tangent topic. yeah um which i think is our slogan for this podcast side tangent. <laughs> yeah. but i digress <laughs> we'll make stickers for work. like i said side tangent 10 times every episode sorry everyone uh but Yes. So I think that that's something that um, I was backstage at. This was Southern USA's I did. Um, They were back there telling at the pro meeting because there was a lot of pros um, that you should be proud of yourself for just getting here. They, They were telling the pros that. Be proud of yourself for getting here because the pros get upset too. They mm-hmm. they get disappointed um, or, you know, it's the same thing of what you're saying. And we're all in the same boat. We're all pushing. We're all trying. We're all like trying to balance life. We're all hangry. We're, we all, yeah. So like just having the same, we all have the same end goal. Well, probably mostly, especially in the pro league. But um, we also all have the same struggles. So yes that that makes it less intimidating as well going into a show knowing that like yeah even if people are acting confident mm-hmm. that's you know there's you have a, to fake it till you make it uh, there's yeah. a lot of that yeah. yeah and it's the same thing in both sports i think where like if you're a first-time competitor i can understand how daunting it would be especially if you don't have a coach or a handler or a friend who's done it before or you know, something like that, or even just like a boyfriend or girlfriend to go through it with, who's like mm-hmm. interested in in figuring everything out with you. Um, let me let me not. Uh, where do I want to go with that? Uh, well, I think just like. Okay, um, I was going to go off on another tangent that I don't think I want to go down that side road. Um, but what I do want to say is 
it can be very daunting to go to these events. Um, but all these other competitors and, and coaches, especially, they want to help you. And now at bodybuilding shows, yeah, some people might be kind of depleted and kind of grumpy, but I guarantee you, if you ask a question and that person knows the answer to that question, they're going to give it to you. They're not going to tell you to go screw yourself. You know, and, and at powerlifting, well, first of all, everyone's well fed and they're freaking run around with okay. sour patch kids. And that stuff. is a difference because <laughs> I have had, I've been at some shows where people are very standoffish or they don't want to help you. And I've been at other shows where people, it's just like everybody loves everybody. They don't care who you are. If they've never met you before, you're part of the family. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're going to get a different vibe of people. Okay, sure. Every, every powerlifting yeah. meet I've ever been to is like a freaking party. Yeah. And everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, well, think about it. You're eating food and lifting heavy weight, which both give you endorphin rushes. Everybody's on <laughs> caffeine and sugar. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so... Except for me. I'm depleting and then eating a bag of sweet potato fries. To <laughs> <drink a> bag. <laughs> um, yeah, that was an interesting prep for that. Yeah, which, that by the way, so just, just real quick, that July meet, we brought an air fryer and a generator so that after I weighed in, I can make an entire bag of Alexia sweet potato fries and eat them before my competition. So this was during COVID. Yeah. The meat was outside. Yeah. TC has a Eurovan yeah. that he loves. Yeah. And that's what we packed in the van so that because he was real close. Your weight was you were in the sauna. Was that the one you were in the sauna for the mo in the morning? Yes. So he was depleting, depleting probably too much. I wasn't close enough to do a sauna cut and I did a sauna cut yeah. anyway. For a two hour weigh in, it was just silly. I cut like five pounds, took no, I cut four pounds, took me five hours and I weighed in. I felt like someone beat me put me in a burlap sack and beat me with a stick yeah what and, not to do Yep, i tried to you know i was warming up i was cramping chris was putting salt in my hand putting salt in my rice cakes thank and, you bodybuilding yeah so I, I did make weight and did. i did get best lifter i also did lose 50 kilos off of my total that mm -hmm. i'd done like two or three weeks prior and um, he also had sweet potato fries fresh from the van yeah, air fryer yeah it's perfect so, okay, end tangent. <laughs> okay, so one thing I've been waiting to say is I also think that it's great to go to meets or competitions yes. with good judging. So lots of people will give you, you know, there's different levels of judges. Not every judge sits in the same amount of meets or competitions as others. So the more experienced ones are probably going to give you a little bit more detailed feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, they're also going to judge a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think a advanced athlete mentality of wanting to go up in front of judging panels that are going to be a little bit harder on you, that they're going to challenge you to be a little bit better because mm -hmm. they're going to have less uh, wiggle room. Um, but you're going to get better feedback on how you can improve as well too. So um, that's another thing is if you're intimidated about the judging panel or who's showing up, like, be but, happier with good competition in front of a good judge. That's where you grow. Yeah, and I think like it definitely depends on uh, your aspirations as an athlete, right? Like if you're if you're a trophy hunter, you're gonna want to go to these smaller local meets where there's sure. be less competition, um, especially for like powerlifting stuff. Um, but <laughs> he keeps squeaking this pen. I took it from him. Um, yeah, I, I think for powerlifting it's definitely good to go up against some stiffer competition. Don't just pick the small local meets, like go push yourself, you know, uh, get out there, like experience what's out there. And same thing with bodybuilding. You can 
put yourself up against these better bodies and then you can kind of talk to them, see what they're doing, like see where they train, see if they do anything differently. Um, uh, un, I will say, unfortunately, um, training science is not as like complicated as people want to make it out to be. It, it, there are plenty of complicated details, but it really just boils down to consistency. And like just doing the right thing over and over and then leave it to your coaches to learn the latest and greatest and follow their lead uh, into uh, oblivion. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right, great. So we've talked a lot about judges. Is there anything else you want to cover? Because um, then I think the last thing we have really is talking about like long-term mentality. Yeah, I think we, uh, I wrote sportsmanship down here. I think we kind of touched on that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, don't be angry at the judges for what they're going to say, like going with an open mind and, and actually looking for that criticism. Um, so yeah, then the last thing is, you know, developing the long-term mentality to take you from your outcome goal of your competition or show to, uh, I guess the next one, I guess is where it would take you. Yes. And I think, you know, at least for bodybuilding, there's different ways you can get feedback to kind of like take into your next phase, um, either through email. A lot of times they stay, they stay after the show to talk to you in person. Um, that's where I've gotten most of my feedback. I mean, even as a coach, like that's what I stay for. I make sure I have a ticket to the night show um, to you know, yeah, see the awards, but I'm buying that ticket for the judging panel. Um, and so your athletes can go to dinner. That is one thing that I yeah. let my athletes do. Put yourself on the fire. I'll stand in line and, f- and fight off the people. Yeah. <laughs> go, go enjoy it. Well, and that's just, that's a personal choice that I made yeah. as a coach is yeah. I just think that they work so hard to get to that point to then go through this whole long day and sometimes they're just beat. Yeah, sometimes and, you get up at like four or five o'clock, get your you know hair makeup done. I mean, I think I didn't someone have an appointment at like four thirty or something yeah. silly early. Yeah. Um, and then the night show doesn't end until like ten, eleven, twelve, one o'clock in the morning, and it's like really you're gonna stay here? No. So yeah. So uh, we, I let them go have dinner. I told them go have a good time. And you deserve then, it. You work so hard. And then I, because I really do. I mean, I need to hear the feedback as well from. The judge, um, if they have, now if an athlete has specific questions and stuff that they want to talk with a judge about, then I advise them, you know, that I would stay backstage so that you're making sure that everything that you want covered or specific questions you have, you're addressing with that judge. Otherwise, your other option is to email them those specific questions. But a lot of times I kind of know, I think I'm not an expert but I think that I've been coaching long enough to kind of know what to expect for feedback. Um, but it's still good for me to get that. Mm-hmm. Like, and they may bring up something that I didn't think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're in the business of making sure our athletes have a great experience, but they keep progressing. And so I think yeah. what a, you know, it's an important piece to get from a judge. Um, some are very specific and very clear, like, you know, a little bit tighter in the glue ham tie-in. Um, others are a little bit uh, more ambiguous. More. <laughs> <laughs> that was my feedback one year. More. Um, but it's, I think, like I said, I think 
talk to your coach as well too. Like your coach needs to know the feedback because some things like your glutes can look bigger and fuller with a different peak, yeah. with hydrate a different hydration style, with less body fat, your glutes can actually look bigger. So if they're telling you one specific thing, it's not always I need to go, you know, spend months and months in the gym to put muscle on. Um, sometimes it's a matter of you're just, you need a little bit more like style adjustment to your prep to get that look mm -hmm. that they're going for. Um, so, and it like your coach looks at your body all the time. They should know. They should know like how your body has trended towards the show. They should understand how it peaked and then they should know when it's time for feedback, when it's time to, I mean, when it's time to move into a season of, we need to put you back at maintenance um, or surplus and you need to start putting on muscle mass, so. Yeah, which your coach is the only person that looks at you every week. The judge looks at you one time. So that's point A. Point B, um, I think it's very valuable to find a judging panel that likes your look. Um, mm -hmm. like I think Sandy likes your look. Uh, I know Tim Gardner likes Sophie's look. Um, just a couple examples like there there are going to be judging panels that like specific looks like whether it's more muscular whether it's a little softer whether it's you know a, a very exacerbated hourglass frame or whatever it is um like there are different judges that value different things and if you perpetually go in front of different judges first of all i think that's valuable in the short term right i think it's important to get in front of different sets of eyes yes. to see where you're going to thrive, right? Are you going to do well in, on the West Coast? Are you going to do well down in Florida? Are you going to do well in the Northeast? Uh, where are, are you going to do well in the Midwest? Where are you going to do the best as a competitor? Um, but then once you find that area, I think it's important to continue to go back there and not just pick like a local show to step into because it's close to you. Like at that point, you have to start to start being a little more intentional with with you know your show path, so and who you're getting in front of and who you're getting that judge feedback from. Um, so like you know we had a client compete at North Americans who had been in front of Sandy recently, and she emailed her and got great feedback from Sandy. You know, um, so I think that's very valuable to kind of like get the FaceTime so that this person's like, okay, this is who this is, and I remember them from last show. I see the progress that they're making, and that is actually just as valuable as what your body looks like on show day. Yes. Um, and I think that there are those variables, but don't make all of your decisions just based off of those variables. There still are the like who who shows up that day. Oh, like, yeah, of course. Um, because I don't want people to think that there is like favoritism with judges because they recognize somebody. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, it still has to do with, you know, who looks the best. But in the bikini class, a lot of these, a lot of times these girls look, especially in the pro league. Like you look at the first call outs and you're like, they all look the same. What what, what do you mean for a second? Yeah, well, they, they all look, look amazing. The exactly, yeah. exactly. So it becomes really difficult. And that I think is where they start to, uh, you know, maybe that's where the, the progress comes into play a little more. But no, I, I'm, I wasn't saying that there's any favoritism. I was just saying that like, just like we were just talking about, these people appreciate the hard work that's put in and the consistency and the, and the progress. And because that's what bodybuilding is, it's in the name. We are building bodies, and if they see someone who is actively building their body into the category that they're competing in, you're going to be awarded for that. Because, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, it's you against you. And if you keep showing up with a better body, you're going to place better. And it's not 
it's not just because they see progress. They're not just arbitrarily giving you a participation trophy, right? Like you still have to look better than the people you place mm-hmm. over. But um, I, I just think that that there is some weight placed into that. So and the in bodybuilding, it's a panel. It's not one yes, judge yes. that awards your placement. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why. Um, Sometimes it's helpful to get feedback from this if you have the same head judge because they're named a head judge for specific reasons and they've seen you at multiple shows. So it's kind of good for them to give you feedback from show to show to kind of like uh, if you're getting the same feedback over and over, that's where you, you really need to evaluate. Um, but if you're making those improvements, then you know you're headed in the you probably are you're in the situation where you should keep competing because you're getting close to Mm -hmm. your ultimate goal um but yeah there's multiple bodies that sit on that stage and even like they disagree as well too that's why it's such a subjective sport and so sometimes getting feedback from different people on that yeah it's nice you can get more than one judge feedback like when you can only email one judge it's kind of kind of stinks because look if they place you in fifth you're going to get this feedback. If they place you in first, you're going to get this feedback. You know, like in my last show, <clears throat> there's one guy who clearly did not place me in first and he mm-hmm. gave me great feedback. He said upper chest, lats, shoulders, you know, like this and the other waist looks a little too wide. So keep working on your transverse. Like, he, you know, maybe angle a little bit, but blah, blah, blah. Another guy, I liked you. And who probably put him in first. And, and he said a little more conditioning, but, you know, I thought you looked great. Mm-hmm. And you know if you th- if you listen to those two feedbacks, like which one is more valuable to a competitor? And now me, I know that like the guy pointed out all of the weak points I already know I have. Like chest has always been a weak point for me. My back, like I grew up not working my back because I sucked at pull ups. So just like every other kid out there, I just didn't do them like an idiot. <laughs> but so I, I knew I had these, you know. And obviously he didn't say anything about my legs, but we know that my legs are my strong point, right? Mm-hmm. My legs and my arms. So yeah, it's it's the the type of feedback that you get from different judges and like how they valued you on that stage is is uh, you know and, and taking that into consideration when you're listening to their feedback is important and not just looking for the judges that like you to get feedback from them. Really, I think it's it's better yeah. the other way around, right? You want as much like negative like criticism feedback as as possible which like sounds like it sucks right <laughs> but because <laughs> you're like in your mind first of all like every bodybuilder out there has body dysmorphia right like that we all develop you cut one time and as soon as you gain like two pounds you're like oh man i'm fat <laughs> and everyone else in the world is like you could gain 20 more pounds and you wouldn't be fat mm-hmm. you know so it's that's that start that's very difficult and then all you're hearing about is how you need to continue to improve this body that you've been working so hard on and it's very very important to remember that bodybuilding is subjective and you need to be comfortable in the body that you're walking around in on in on a daily basis mm-hmm. that will always be more important than your placement um, but I also think that once you start placing your emphasis on being comfortable in your own body you're going to move better you're going to feel better and your mentality is going to be better so that your conditioning is going to show up better on meat day. And then all you have to do is build the muscle, which with a better mentality, the muscle happens. So there's a study that I always, I always love pointing this study out. Uh, it's a steroid study. Um, so what they did is they had, a, they had a few different groups of people. They, they gave, I believe there were four groups of people. One group got steroid or two groups got steroids, two groups got placebo. Mm-hmm. one group of steroid takers was told it was steroids. One was told it was placebo. 
and in the placebo, one was told it was steroids, one was told it was placebo. And both groups that were told that they were taking steroids gained more muscle mass than the groups that were told they were taking the placebo drug. And this is interesting because even if you're taking the placebo and you're told that you're taking steroids, you put more muscle mass on than the people who were taking steroids but were told that they were only taking a placebo. So your mind has so much power over what your body does. It's not even funny. And so many people miss out on maximizing that potential. Like me, I know that when I'm doing something, first of all, I'm so intentional with all my movements in the gym that I feel every single muscle moving. And then once I feel it, I am putting maximum exertion into trying to activate every single muscle fiber in there. And I know that I'm doing what I need to do to build these muscles. And we get results. Like we see it. I've just continually built my upper body through this whole year and i've been in a continual deficit okay so back to your steroid study where did you hear this a couple places okay you and i listened to it. i think it was uh one of them was no, on a podcast I'm... yeah one of them was on, i think it was a jeff Niffer podcast he talked about it and more recently i read it in my the nasm pbc so i have a theory yeah so if the placebo people who thought they were on steroids? Do you think that they maybe put in a better effort into the gym? Oh, I'm sure, but that's they a, thought they yeah. were all roided up because they know that they're doing the right thing, right? And it's I'm like gain mass. It's, it's it's these athletes. You know, if your supplement regimen is on point, your nutrition regimen is on point, your hydration is on point. You know, all these ducks are in a row. You know that when you go in the gym, you're ready to build muscle. But I don't know that these people did all those things. No, no, you don't. No, they but. just took. A of supplement or a placebo and then yes yeah, so i was equating it to did they our train athletes did they say they trained yeah oh okay yeah they trained i mm. think they were given a training protocol as well so they all followed the same thing interesting mm. yeah i'm sure that's a popular study yeah it just i mean it shows and but that's why earlier in this podcast we talked about knowing right you have to know that you're doing the right thing. You have to know that you're about to lift that weight up. You have to know that you're capable of doing what you're about to set out to do before you can ever do it. Um, believe to achieve, or I don't know, there's some like rhyme kind of can't <laughs> right now. My, my brain is Swiss cheese, everyone, so. <laughs> you're doing a good job. Yeah, struggle bus this week, calories. man. Oh my yeah. goodness. Um, but yeah, okay, so what about... Um, handling like long-term mentality because okay yeah so developing the long-term mentality for um let's just say for let me start with powerlifters because for me that's easier mm -hmm. um when i go into a meet i've made less than 50 percent of my third attempts as a competitive powerlifter and there are some there are a lot of people out there nine for nine nine for nine and all white lights this and the other and i love the mentality for injury prevention for sure okay um, yeah that makes sense but I so picking weight that you feel that more comfortable. You believe yes. more that you can move and continually building. So like Michael, um, Michael Oliver, that's that's what we would do with his meets. Like he would compete a couple times throughout the year, um, and we kind of did a deload peaking protocol. But basically, really, what we did was just make call attempts to where, yeah, he's gonna set a PR on the platform for all three lifts 
but it's not going to be RP10. There's zero risk for injury here. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And he did that, and he did it one competition. The next competition, he opened with his third attempt. Wow. Because it was it was below RP10, but now it's your opener from your third attempt. And as long as you continue doing that, you can't continue, you know, uh, leapfrogging your old numbers. Like obviously, you're going to continue making progress. Um. So I think that when you miss something when you miss a lift in powerlifting it's important to remember that this is not your last competition um when i was younger i was a goalie in lacrosse and if a team scored on me one time it's fine not a big deal scored again on me 30 seconds later oh my gosh what is going on and now they're in my head and i can't stop anything mm. i i nothing they can lob it at me and it's going to roll between my legs nice and slow and I'm going to miss it. So I'll never forget my dad talking to me, son, you got to let it roll off your shoulders, man. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're getting your head. And as soon as they're in your head, they've won. Mm -hmm. It's over. Game over. They've won. And like I, I really took that to heart and no one is allowed in my head. If anyone's going to get in my head, it's going to be me. And I'm not going to allow myself to do that. Because I know it's going to be detrimental. I have to know that I'm capable of doing what I'm setting out to do, right? So we're bringing it back there again. Yeah. Um, so when you lift, let's just say you you just missed your, well, your opening squat. Because in July, that last USAPL comp I did, I missed my opening squat. And it was for depth. But when you feel as beat up as I did, do I go up and wait a little bit? Or do I stay at that same number and play it safe? I'm pretty sure I went up and wait because I actually, I did it. But I made my second attempt, then I missed my third. I went five for nine that meet. So, mm. But I didn't carry those failed lifts with me. I understood that, hey, this is where my body is. And you know what? I got my second attempt squat. I'm on the board. And because I still had a positive mentality, I went three for three on bench that day. It's the only time I've ever done that, That's by the wild. way. It's the only time. <laughs> and then deadlift, I... Missed my first attempt because I had some up-down motion. It was like really weird. I don't know what happened. Uh, and then I made my second attempt and missed my third attempt. So, mm. but you know what? I had a great time. You were there. Jovan and dad was there. Yeah. Uh, like everyone's room for me. Uh, I'm sure I look pissed off as usual when I'm powerlifting, <laughs> but, but like I had a great time. Good. And um, I think that that is the difference in, in, naming success as an athlete because powerlifting your powerlifting career is never going to be over until you decide this is my last meet mm -hmm. and unless you're at the very very top if you're at the pinnacle and you're fighting for that number one spot you know at nationals or, or the world championships or something it doesn't really matter you know we had dr jason is is today the day and oh my gosh does that play in my head so often like the other day i pulled 675 i wanted to put another plate on there but that's what I said to myself. Is today the day? Do you, So what? So what if you do this? Is it going to help the prep that you're in right now? And the answer was no. So I didn't do it. And you know what? The next day I woke up and I, my body, my CNS was fried, but yeah. <laughs> my body felt fantastic. Zero pain, you know, because I actually got good back activation. I got good glute activation, good core activation for those deadlifts because I was super intentional in my setup and I was very intentional with what I was going in there to do. I wasn't just ego lifting. I wanted to do some, you know, closer to maximum effort stuff to 
get full activation in my body again and making it make it feel like a cohesive unit again because I've been doing all this isolation stuff. So uh, we've which we've talked about that before as to why powerlifting and bodybuilding kind of come together and and this is exactly it. I've been doing a lot of rehab stuff trying to deal with these movement compensations and until you maximally activate your entire body all at once and force it to work together properly the way it's supposed to, uh, it it's it remains very difficult to completely eliminate those compensation patterns that you've developed in the past. So, um, yeah, so long-term mentality as a powerlifter, just remember that this is not your last meet. Um, and whether you make or miss this lift in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter. You know, it really, really doesn't. Uh, it, it has as much weight as you place on it. And in bodybuilding, same thing, you know, unless this is the Olympia and you're defending your title, what, what matters what happens and what, what your placement is, right? Because if you're, let's just say you're an Olympian and you're not defending your title, oh, but it's the Olympia. Yeah, but what's the worst that happens? You place this out of 50 and now you're still in the top 50 competitors of the world you know like that's the worst case scenario there and it's the same thing if you're a powerlifter at nationals or worlds like you're you've made it and mm-hmm. all you have to do is do what you've done every single day leading up to this competition well um, and you can like take that so far back into how many people are not even athletes mm-hmm. um or oh, yeah, going you, through yeah, the like par- when you can play that's why i say you complain about being fat or something like babe like the amount of women that would kill to look exactly like you it's crazy so um man i lost my train of thought yeah well that's what you have to take people who aren't athletes um so like just going through a prep is a lot and so like be proud of yourself for like being intentional with your dieting and your training and doing it when you didn't want to. And then for powerlifting, like how many people are actually that strong? Yeah. And let alone putting it like performing on a platform in front of a judging panel and working with athletic endeavors, like no matter what your age, there's just being an athlete in itself, I think is something to celebrate no matter where you rank. So, yeah. Um, and long game, like how I think we've talked about this in the past, like just being intentional with like, if you want to make big strides, like you have to put in equal amounts of effort. Like you have to be very intentional with every season, a lot of choices and it's not all gas pedal down. Like it's more of finding the right preps that are best for you as an individual. It's, oh. it's walking that razor's edge between the alarm phase of your body and the super compensation phase and then hitting that next training cycle in the super compensation phase so that the alarm phase just brings you back down to your old baseline and you keep going up. Whereas if you continually ping that training session in that alarm phase, you're just going to keep going down and down and down and feel worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, we covered a lot of stuff today about competition mentality and we talked a lot about judging. So is there anything on your mind that you want to... Um, I think the last thing about, like, well, I guess competition mentality, but also the marathon mentality is enjoying every season and understanding that no matter what season you're in, your mentality is the competition mentality. 
right? If you're in your off season, it's not your off season. Mm-hmm. It's your growing season, mm-hmm. right? And if you think of it as your off season, you're not going to make as much progress because you're just, you're eating like crap. You're not intentional with your eating. You're not intentional with your training. You're not like you, like, just like you said, you still need to be intentional. And honestly, guys, like this goes for powerlifters too. Um, obviously, like the stigma is that bodybuilders, you know, track macros and care about their diets and this that, and the other, you get a bunch of protein powerlifters. I think the stigma is they eat a bunch of junk food and unfortunately that's true. And I will say that the first year that I met you, I, I, and I think I talked about this the last podcast, Mm -hmm. I focused on my train, my macros, macro timing, my lifts went through the roof. I mean, like it was crazy and I'm sure it looked like I was, I started to take drugs, but that's all I did was just. <laughs> he met a pro. Right. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> no, but that's all I did was just start eating right and start being, I was intentional with every single day. I understood yeah. that every single day was a new opportunity for me to move as much closer to my end goal as possible. And in order to maximize on that, you have to eat right. You have to sleep right. You have to drink right. You have to not eat a bunch of processed foods. You have to be intentional with your training. You have to do your warm up, your cool down. You have to do your recovery work. So there's so many aspects that go into this. Like, it, and again, it goes back to your aspirations as an athlete, right? If you just want to live to have fun and you enjoy competing because it's fun and it's a fun environment, do it. There's absolutely zero wrong with that. Um, just understand that like your progress is dictated by your um, dedication and, and consistency to these process goals that we were talking about. Correct. So okay, um, I kind of kind of veered off mentality there, but uh, back into nutrition. But um, basically, I, I said all that just to say uh, remain intentional with each season and enjoy each season. So going back to our power building podcast, like find something to enjoy in every chapter of your training and um, you're going to remain consistent and dedicated to it. And it keeps it, that will help with um, just continued progress too. If it's arduous and painful the whole entire time, it's hard to stick with something for a long time. You have to find joy or find uh, techniques that allow it to be something you can sustain. And be patient in the transition periods. Oh, my gosh. Yep. When you're first reversing out of a show, all you're going to want to do is eat all the food and your workouts aren't going to feel great yet. Be patient. When you're dieting down for a show, you're going to be hungry and all you're going to want to do is eat that post-show meal. Be patient. I promise you it'll pay off and it'll be worth it. Okay. So, with that. He's thinking about food if you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) And let's talk about nutrition. No, just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so guys, if you enjoyed the podcast and you are liking the content, it would be amazing if you could go on to Apple or I don't know if there's, well, we'll just say Apple Podcasts. Leave us uh, a rating and a review. We will greatly appreciate it. It helps us. Um, helps the algorithm. Us, yeah, helps listeners find us. So if you like the content and you find it valuable, that um, helps help other people. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. I think we're on Apple. I like you said. I believe we're on Spotify and Google Podcasts. We're on Google Music and there's something else. Yeah, and then we, we also don't know where we are. We also post the video on our YouTube. Yeah, um, we have the RSS feed on uh, our website, and then also on our website. I just <laughs> sorry <laughs> su- <laughs> surprise entry by Kona. My sister's dog. 
dog. He just put his face in my face. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, if you go on our website, we actually just added a uh, donation button right below the, mm-hmm. the YouTube podcast feed. Um, so if you would like to further help support us and, and our efforts in this podcast, you know, we get 100% of the uh, donation proceeds. Like the, the platform that we use doesn't take any percentage of it. Um, and all of that money will go directly towards the podcast, whether it's in equipment, whether it's in uh, getting new people on the podcast uh, or the caffeine that we need to <laughs> sit here and talk to each other for an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But that, um, and then do you want to sign us off with our yeah. motto? Just remember, reminder, work hard, stay hungry, stay humble and train reckless.